WMRA News. I'm Bob Levicky. Stanton leaders want to hear from residents in a new survey. A judge leaves in place for now the NCAA's restrictions on NIL compensation after a lawsuit by Virginia and Tennessee. And we've got lots of General Assembly news, including a bill by Harrisonburg Senator Mark Obenchain that would crack down on those who manufacture illegal drugs, particularly fentanyl. This is the WMRA Daily for Wednesday, February 7th. The city of Stanton is inviting residents to respond to a a wide-ranging community survey about life there. The city says the survey aims to capture opinions on the economy, mobility, community design, utilities, and more. The city hopes the results will help guide planning and provide a comparison to similar communities. Residents can find a link to the survey at the city's main website. A former Charlottesville gas station that also was home to a bicycle co-op for several years will be purchased by the city for about $4 million. City Council okayed the proposal on Monday. Some residents voiced safety concerns during the meeting, saying that the property could be used to build a shelter for people without housing. But Mayor Juan Diego Wade said plans for the parcel near Belmont Bridge have not been decided, in part because the site still needs to be evaluated for its best potential use. When that time comes up, we're doing a comprehensive study to answer some of those questions. The property is currently owned by the Charlottesville Redevelopment and Housing Authority. A judge on Tuesday kept in place for now the NCAA's rules that prohibit name, image, and likeness compensation being used as a recruiting inducement. The Associated Press reports that the judge denied a request by the states of Virginia and Tennessee for a temporary restraining order. The attorneys general of those states filed a federal antitrust lawsuit in the Eastern District of Tennessee last week that challenged the NCAA's NIL rules. After it was revealed, the University of Tennessee was under investigation by the association for potential infractions. Last year, all nine of Virginia's state psychiatric hospitals were near and sometimes over capacity. Jed Khalil with VPM News reports. Tuesday, the House Committee on Health voted favorably on six bills meant to address a lack of mental health hospital beds. Half of the state's beds were taken up by patients who were involuntarily admitted. Usually, a law enforcement officer temporarily detains a person in crisis and takes them to a hospital. In January last year, Attorney General Jason Miaras said officers should keep patients in custody until they're admitted. Since then, 452 drop-offs have happened without the proper clearance. Roanoke Democratic Delegate Sam Rasool wants to allow hospitals to delay the admission of a patient until it determines they have a potentially life-threatening medical need. Sometimes beds are being used by patients who aren't in immediate danger, but local community service boards are concerned with their access to housing or health care after release. Another bill from Alexandria Democratic Delegate Patrick Hope would create a pilot program to release people from hospitals over those objections. These and four other bills addressing the bed shortage now head to the House floor for a vote. Jad Khalil reporting. A bill from Harrisonburg and Rockingham County State Senator Mark Obenshane would crack down on those who manufacture illegal drugs, particularly fentanyl. WHSV reports that, among other things, the bill would increase the penalty for distributing adulterated or misbranded drugs from a Class II misdemeanor to a Class VI felony. The bill would also criminalize the possession or distribution of pill presses, 
or encapsulating machines that are used to manufacture counterfeit drugs. Members of the General Assembly are also considering legislation to protect election workers from threats and harassment. Virginia Public Radio's Michael Pope reports. Election workers across Virginia increasingly face harassment and intimidation. That's the reason why Senator Adam Eben, a Democrat from Alexandria, introduced a bill to protect them. The reasoning for this bill is that there's been violent and relentless threats against election officials and poll workers as a trend in recent years. Republican Senator Mark Obenshane of Rockingham County worries that the new felony charges might be too broad. So if somebody is demanding that an election election official comply with the law and intimidates that election official who is not complying with the law, would they be guilty of this? Senate Majority Leader Scott Suravel says intimidating election workers is unacceptable. It has to be a threat to kill or do body or injury. I'm going to kick your butt if you don't follow the law. It's something that shouldn't be said in a polling place. Evans' bill is expected to be considered by the Senate Finance Committee Thursday afternoon. A judge in Floyd County on Monday allowed a nonprofit group's lawsuit against Governor Glenn Youngkin's effort to pull Virginia out of a regional environmental partnership to continue. At least one state senator is welcoming the ruling, also with Virginia Public Radio. Also with Virginia Public Radio, Brad Kuttner reports. Virginia Democrats used state law to join the Regional Greenhouse Gas Initiative, or REGI, in 2020. The effort has seen hundreds of millions of dollars flow into the state to help flood-prone areas as well as to weatherize the homes of low-income Virginians. But the $2 monthly fee billed to Virginians in exchange was called a tax by Governor Glenn Youngkin on the campaign trail. When he took office, he directed the state's air board to remove Virginia from the multi-state agreement. But the Association of Energy Conservation Professionals, a trade group for weatherization nonprofits, argued in Floyd Circuit Court that the 2020 law never gave the governor the authority to leave the agreement. They want to remove us from Reggie. They have to change the law. That's Nate Benferrato, the Southern Environmental Law Center attorney who represents the trade group. Virginia Attorney General Jason Miares argued in filings that the language within the law allowed Youngkin to direct the agency to leave Reggie. But the Floyd County judge sided with the trade group, at least in finding their loss of access to Reggie funds gave them standing to sue. Still, questions of gubernatorial authority haven't been resolved. In a statement, Miara's office said they do not comment on pending litigation, but outside the Senate chamber, Fairfax area Senator Scott Saraville said the judge is on the road to getting things right. The legal decision is about whether the governor ever had authority to take us out. All right, he didn't he never had authority to take us out. So we're trying to get him to follow the law. If the trade group is successful in Floyd County, it could open the doors to new Reggie funds by late spring. Legislation to allow localities to levy a sales tax for school construction or renovation has advanced in the General Assembly. Cardinal News reports that the House Finance Subcommittee on Monday approved the sweeping proposal. It would allow all Virginia localities to impose a local sales tax hike of up to 1%, with the revenue used only for the construction or renovation of schools if the levy is approved in a voter referendum. The state Senate recently passed a similar bill to allow localities to hold referendums for school-related sales tax increases. In Virginia, public school divisions get the bulk of their funding for school construction and modernization needs from their local tax base, and that puts rural school divisions at a disadvantage. A bill to increase Virginia's minimum wage to $15 an hour by 2026 has passed out of the House of Delegates. Advocates say the increase is needed to support low-income workers, but Republicans are pushing back. Brad Kuttner has the story. 
Hampton Area Delegate Juwan Ward is celebrating her 20th year at the Virginia Legislature, and while she's not retiring, she's still thinking about her legacy. And among the issues she wants to be remembered for is increasing the Commonwealth's minimum wage. It's like a slap in the face to expect someone to work, do your dirty work for hours on end, often in jobs that are less than desirable and still not be able to make ends meet. Ward's current bill continues an effort started in 2020. Back then, the state, under a Democratic legislature and governor, started the process of increasing the minimum wage to 15 an hour. But that bill requires second passage, known as a reenactment clause, to continue its incremental increase. So far, the effort has failed to get any support from Republicans. Here's former Republican Majority Leader Delegate Terry Kilgore, who said he spoke with grocery store owners in his Southwest Virginia district, and they're worried about what a minimum wage increase will mean. And they employ a lot of kids, school kids at $11, $12 an hour. If it goes to 15 it's, that's going to hurt uh, their opportunities there. But Ward said wage increases can actually benefit economically depressed regions and the lower income folks who work there. As soon as they get the money, they put it right back into the community. A matching effort is currently working its way through the Virginia Senate. A final version is likely to land on Governor Glenn Youngkin's desk, but he's signaled he has no interest in signing such a bill. If that's the case, Virginia's minimum wage would stay at $12 an hour until further action was taken. In Richmond, I'm Brad Kuttner. Virginia lawmakers are considering a bill that would give localities the power to require conservation of trees during construction. Patrick Larson with VPM News reports. Michael Webb is the city of Richmond's urban forester, responsible for guiding the city to its goal of 60% tree canopy by 2037. That would help the city manage high heat, flash flooding, water pollution, and more. But there's a problem. So if we planted like every single vacant area along city right away, we still would not come to that 60%. That means the city has to rely on private landowners to plant and maintain trees. Currently, the city can't require developers to replant or conserve existing trees during construction. A bill carried by Democratic Delegate Betsy Carr would give all localities that option. And this is monumental for conservation of urban tree canopy in any municipality if it was adopted. If passed into law, the requirements would not immediately take effect. Local governments would have to adopt them. Environmental advocates support the bill. The House of Delegates will vote on it later this week. Patrick Larson reporting. Former Congressman George Santos became a poster child for unethical campaign spending in Washington. Now members of the General Assembly are crafting legislation to guard against campaign finance fraud in Virginia. Michael Pope has this update. Botox treatments and casino spending sprees are totally legal under Virginia campaign finance laws, which have almost no limits on how to spend campaign cash. That's why Democratic Senator Jennifer Boisco of Herndon says Virginia should outlaw candidates using campaign money the way former Congressman George Santos did. The scary thing for me is that most of the things that he did would have been legal in Virginia under our current allowances for using our campaign funds. Republican Senator Mark Peake of Lynchburg voted for the bill, although he said he had not heard of any Santos-style shenanigans in Virginia. I am not aware of any member of the Virginia General Assembly, House or Senate, who has conducted themselves in any manner whatsoever in comparison to George Santos, or really in a fraudulent manner. Campaign finance documents often obscure how money from donors is used. So Virginia might not currently have anyone making tabloid headlines, but Boisco says it's not worth the risk. 
And I think that this is a perfect time for us to stand in solidarity to say, not here in Virginia, not now, not anyway. Boisco's bill passed the Senate on a wide bipartisan majority, only four Republicans voting against it. A similar version is currently making its way through the House. Reporting from the Capitol in Richmond, uh, Michael Pope. Finally today, for a second year running, Charlotte was the most popular baby name for girls born in Virginia, while Liam edged out last year's winner, Noah, to take the title for boys. The Virginia Mercury reported the list was in a release by the Virginia Department of Health's Office of Vital Records. Besides the top names, many popular names this year also made last year's list, including Emma, Olivia, and Ava, and Noah, James, and Oliver. For WMRA News, I'm Bob Levicky. I think Bob's a great name. Well, nickname anyway. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoy your Wednesday. Wednesday.